0: This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson,
1: the managing editor of Salt City Hoops and also the beat writer for the Utah Jazz for KSL.com. I am Ben Anderson. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. Tweet at him. you got questions you want to have answered during the show. He's the man, at Andy B. Larson. You can also tweet at me, at Ben's Hoops. We also like to take your calls. Last week we got a few calls. Very good. good. We always like uh, having people call in, so you have questions. That is the best way to get your thoughts across. 877-353-0700. 877-353-0700. Brittany will take your call, and she'll jimmy-rig it over to us. Or whatever yeah. they do.
2: On a day with a lot of football talk, and understandably so, we're at a a two-hour recess, if you will, from that and talk a little bit of Utah Jazz and NBA.
1: Uh, So, again, at Andy B. Larson is the best way to get questions in. You can also tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. Uh, A lot going on in the NBA, even though we're kind of getting to that point where uh, free agency is starting to dissipate a little bit. We're slowing down a little bit. But there have been a couple of moves made. The Kyrie Irving news is obviously the big conversation whether or not he's going to get traded, and what could be expected in a return, and we'll talk about that coming up before the end of the show. Uh, The latest with the Utah Jazz, Uh, not a ton, not a ton of newsy stuff, but uh, I I think there's a lot of big questions with this basketball team now. We're about to get into the really slow part of the season, August and September. There's just about no news in the NBA, at least I don't expect a ton with the Jazz, but I think with so much change, losing Gordon Hayward, there's a lot to speculate about. A lot of big questions to ask, and one of them has been kind of the reemergence of Derek Favors' health. has been a talking point for Dennis Lindsay in the off season. Rudy Gobert taking over as the man for the Jazz, and then how do those two fit together?
2: Right, and this is something we talked a little bit with Dan Clayton about last week. But I think it's it, looking at that fit. I think is is important. Um, so first of all, the the stats for that fit are are really good. You know, you you look at how they've been on the court in In a few minutes together, plus minus wise last year and then two years ago, the numbers are really positive. The jazz are a playoff team, maybe a, a top four in the west kind of team when both of those guys are on the floor now I don't know that it's more effective than you would like expect than uh you know when you have two of your your four or five best players out on the floor you know of like of course that's better than your bench lineups would be, but it it's still a good sign for for the jazz now the The real kind of question is, and kind of the curiosity there is. Despite that, Quinn Snyder is very reluctant to run that lineup at the end of the game. Sure. Has been when Derek Favors was hurt last year and even when he was healthy two years ago. So and I think the reason is is because of the the lack of spacing that, that offense that, that lineup provides. I think teams are, are that's really when those last five minutes are kind of when they uh I don't want to say start paying attention, but you know, you've had forty three minutes of of kind of a an idea of how these guys yeah. play and you can kind of Run sets and all, and it all comes down to execution, I guess. And so at that point, it it's maybe the spacing hurts you more than than it hurts you at other points of the game.
1: Sure, and that's been my biggest key is that yeah, the numbers have always looked good. And anytime you talk about moving favors or not playing favors and and go bear together, you'll get ten Twitter people who jump and say, hey, but the numbers are great. They're good on plus minus. That's a you know they've got a great net rating when they're together on the floor.
2: Look, and I'm that guy.
1: Right. But there's a reason that the Jazz, who are very progressive when it comes to advanced numbers and looking at things like that, how their lineups perform when they're on the floor together, never play that. And I would say that's the ultimate trump card is if the coach never plays it, there's a reason he never plays it.
2: And I mean, sometimes the coach is wrong, right? I mean, right. Well, I'll, I'll say that. The but Ty Corbin I, I, era? I, I, right. <laughs> we've seen it. I mean, I, and I think Quinn Snyder is happy to agree that he's been wrong on some things, yeah. too. But I think... You look at the numbers when Joe Johnson's in the lineup and you start to see really the potential of what a stretch for around Rudy Gobert really starts to
1: look like. Right. And I will say this now, and, and obviously you don't have Gordon Hayward on the floor at the end of games, so that changes everything and impacts everyone, but the Jazz won a playoff series. Even though Derek Favors was great and the Jazz don't beat the Clippers without Derek Favors, they won that series because they could put Joe Johnson on mm-hmm. the floor at the power forward, yeah. and I think that is probably a bigger influence of what you trust now going into the season because and maybe more so now an endorsement of needing to have Joe Johnson on the floor, is that you need a guy who can score in isolation. And even when you had Hayward, a lot of the times the ball went to Joe Johnson last year.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. And I think you—I don't want to take credit away from Derek Favors for winning that series because I think he was, like, the third most important jazz player winning that series no question. behind Gordon Hayward and Joe Johnson. Yep. Uh, But—and what he did as a center defending the pick and roll, especially in Games 5 and Game 7, were, was, was off the charts. Uh, that being said, that came at the five, not at the four. And right. I think it's important to like think about that. And the that Jazz still guys... win that
1: series if Gobert's healthy the whole time.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's probably true. You it, know, assuming it, Derek, uh, Blake Griffin also goes down.
1: Right. They did it a different way because Favors, yeah, has a, an ability to kind of trap on Chris Paul or collapse on Chris Paul out of the pick and roll, but... Yeah, Derek Favors just takes away, or I should say Rudy Gobert just takes away another element of the offense that the Clippers were going to go after. So right. it's not, I don't think Derek Favors single-handedly changed that impact. Like the Jazz benched Rudy Gobert instead of no. uh, playing, uh, you know, in favor of playing Favors. But I think they would have they would have won the series one way or another.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair to say. Um, so, and again, so again, I think it has to go back to, do you just play Joe John Derek Favors most of his minutes at the five? Do you play Joe Johnson most of the minutes at the four? When Joe Johnson doesn't play the four, do you play Derek Favors there? Or do you play Jonas Drebko? or do you play Joe Ingles? You know, like what what would you do if you were Quinn Snyder? I
1: first of all you gotta maximize what Derek Favor's value is. And yeah. I think
2: because I still think Derek
1: Favors halfway through the season, February, that early trade deadline that they have now is still one of your three most valuable trade assets that are realistically is going to be traded or has a chance to be traded. I mean, yeah, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are your top trade assets right now, but I don't think the Jazz want to move either of those guys. Derek Favors, Joe Johnson, those guys automatically become very valuable trade assets. So I think you want to do whatever you can to up Derek Favor's value. And where is he most valuable in the NBA? I think that's a, actually a real question.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, apparently with the Kyrie Irving trade, there, you know, Brian Windhorst went on the on a podcast with the the low post uh, with Zach Lowe and said, "Hey, uh, I'm not reporting this yet, but there's rumors that you know the Jazz had included Derek Favors in these trade talks for Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love or as, as part of one of these three way deals that would see either of those players go to separate teams." Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that says something about that he's on the market. I mean, we we know that he's on the market. Yeah, no, for right? sure he's on the market. But uh, that you know, maybe Cleveland is one of those teams that says, okay, look, we don't have Timofey Mozgov and we kind of lost something there. Derek yeah. Favors can provide us some of what he gave, uh, and honestly, better offense than what Mozgov. Delivered. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely, a ton better if right. he's healthy and when he's playing well. Uh, so so I think that's something the Jazz are going to examine. But the Jazz went out and got Ekbe Udoh with the idea that he was going to be the backup center, and I think it would be foolish to not play him there.
2: Yeah, so and so then what minutes does Derek Favors get? Just four minutes? I mean, he needs, yeah,
1: probably just minutes at the four would okay. be my assumption there, unless, of course, there's an injury to Gobert, in which case you would love to have Favors because exactly what you saw in the playoffs, he helped you win a playoff series because of what his ability is to, to step in. And if he's healthy and he gets back to 16 points and nine rebounds, great you know and then you got to figure out what to do with him from there can you afford him or do you have to trade him because you can't afford him because you're going to pay Rodney Hood assuming you pay Rodney Hood and Dante Exum this upcoming offseason as well so
2: that's the thing is i i get the sense that the jazz don't want to just give away Derek Favors for for nothing nope. to let him go for nothing i should say
1: but i think you're probably going to see the favors that's closer to the 16 and 9 guy than the what was he nine and seven nine this past nine. year, nine and six this past year. I'm betting he gets a lot closer to that sixteen and nine performance we saw two years ago and three years ago than what we saw this past season because he was injured so much.
2: Hey, I'd love to see it, but I, I I skeptical that he gets that many minutes, quite frankly. I mean, when he was that sixteen and eight guy, he was playing thirty five minutes a game. Yeah. I don't know how he gets thirty five minutes on this team with like you say, Joe Johnson playing a lot of minutes at the four. Now Joe Johnson's minutes should probably go down during the regular season yep. and then have him play more in the playoffs again. But even then, then you've got Jonas Jerebko, who you know again, Derek Favors should probably always play over, uh, and Ekpe Udo, who is going to be taking a lot of those minutes at the five. I I don't know how he gets those minutes, um, in a way that really works out consistently. And again, unless somebody gets hurt. Here's what's going to be and difficult. Can, and again, with the idea that Quinn is probably not going to be playing him at the end of games.
1: Here's what's going to be difficult. We don't know what approach the Jazz are taking to this season, at all, at this point. Yeah. Are the Jazz going in with an idea that, hey, we're trying to set up that next major trade, and then once we get that, then we feel like we've got direction, and this is just going to be kind of a free-flowing, let's see what we have, let's see what these pieces can do, let's see what Dante does, let's see what Donovan Mitchell's able to do, let's see if Rodney Hood can be the man, and if not, we need to go and replace Rodney Hood with a max player. I mean, I think those are all different options that you can go out there with, and in that sense, I don't know if you fully invest in Derek Favors one way or another, because there's a good chance he's gone after the season, if he right. even if he does play well for you, because you've got no way to keep
2: him. so. Do you, I guess your options are fully invest in someone who's going to be on the roster long term because you have a contract for him right. or fully invest in Derek favors and I, I guess the option C is fully invest in everybody and just see what happens yeah but you have to give minutes to somebody uh do you give minutes of favors and then trade him for something that again will hopefully be on your contract mo- uh, you're on your roster with a longer contract moving
1: forward and I assume that's what you do so I think favors gets out goes out there, and there's no reason not to play him 30 minutes because you're not because Joe Johnson. I I don't think Joe Johnson's back next year. I, yeah, I think he goes it, and goes it. ring chasing and good for him. He deserves to be able to do that. He's signed this last deal with the Jazz to get those last kind of 20 million dollars, and now he'll go do the Derrick Rose thing and make two million dollars as a backup for 10 minutes wherever he wants to play. Whether that's the Lakers next year, whether that's you know the Clippers if they decide they want him and they're any good, or the Cavaliers or he's wherever ring Lebron is. And he's
2: up. going to the Lakers and Clippers.
1: Well, we'll see what th- those teams look okay. like in a couple of years, I mean, but
2: yeah, you you never know. You never okay.
1: know where LeBron's going to end up, okay. even if though LeBron I know. LeBron ends up going right.
2: to L.A., yeah. either one of those. Then sure, know. even though he's
1: kind of ruled That's out the Clippers re-game. already, but you never know. The Clippers yeah. could still try and make a play. They do have a multi-billionaire owner who's going to try and be aggressive. I think we should talk about the Clippers and maybe some potential trades with the Jazz there hmm. coming up uh, before the uh, end of the show, so make sure you stay tuned for that. How I approach Derek Favors, though, is you really want to get him minutes because you want to inflate his value. You're not trying to get Derek Favors to win you games right now because I don't think that's the most important thing for the Jazz right now. Because if you make the playoffs and then you because of Derek Favors and Joe Johnson, and then you lose them both, the value of making the playoffs dissipates a little bit. Yeah, I don't think that's a huge plus for your organization, even though I don't think it's bad for the Jazz to make the playoffs. I mean, going and getting the eighth or ninth lottery pick this year is not a huge victory for the Jazz.
2: Right, no, I, I agree with that. And I think even, even then it's not eighth, eight or nine. You know, this Jazz team is too good to lose 50 games, you yeah. know, honestly. So you're looking at the 13th or 14th lottery pick and while well, that gets you Donovan Mitchell or Trey Lyles, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, it's, it's a crapshoot. So maybe our question um, that we started this
1: topic with was will Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert play together? I mean, maybe it's just a flawed question because yeah. it just doesn't matter 12 months from now. Yeah, maybe. Because Favors has signed somewhere else or has been traded somewhere else. So the idea of them playing together doesn't matter. It's how do you best maximize the value of Derek Favors for the idea that you're going to try and move him. And I, I would be stunned if the Jazz don't move him for one reason or another at the trade deadline because he's a good expiring contract. And there are a lot of teams who are now at that point with the crazy deals they handed out last summer that are too much money. They want to get out from underneath those and they might be willing to give up an extra piece with that player like Alan Crabb and or you know or or right. or, or Damari Carroll, when they try and unload these pieces, though I know the Portland didn't give up a pick or anything with Alan Crabb, but they start trying to get rid of some of those contracts and they'll take back an expiring contract, even if that guy's not performing super well. If you can get favors performing well, well, then you can do that and expect to get another piece back.
2: right. and so and then you almost kind of look at a three-way deal where, you're giving Derek Favors to a team that wants to contend and then getting something like a pick from like you know an allen Damari Carroll type from a team that wants to to dump salary in whatever way. There aren't yeah. too many of those teams. It used to be Toronto that was both competing and wanting to dump salary. Now right. I don't know how many of those teams are left. Um you wanna talk about Ricky Rubio? For sure. Okay. So I I was bothered by someone on Twitter today. Can you believe that? That's you? that's ridiculous.
1: Bothered by people on Twitter?
2: I shouldn't. I mean, Twitter I, people are great. So, uh, I, and I actually like this person a lot. Um, his name is Alexander Buck. He's, uh, he's on Twitter. I, I honestly, his Twitter handle is really complicated. But anyway, uh, and he tweeted that he didn't think the Ricky Rubio pick and roll can work ever. Like it won't work ever because you just have the pick, the point guard and center drop off, and then Ricky Rubio can't shoot. Is the idea right? Sure. Or finish if he does get to the rim. Or finish exactly. <laughs> right. So that's a problem. Uh, but it turns out that Ricky Rubio is like a surprisingly good pull-up shooter. Yeah, uh, and in particular, he shoot he shot forty-three percent, 74, one hundred and thirty-one last year on pull-up jump shots. Compare that to George Hill, who only shot thirty-nine percent on pull-up jump shots. How what was Rubio's number? Seventy-three percent. Fifty-three, which is great, really great. high. So that's actually like a legitimate offense to just run Rubio-Gobert pick and rolls. I think that's that's something people have worried about is is, Rudy, is Ricky Rubio shooting and, and rightfully so like he's not a good three point shooter and I would say that on those pull up jumpers he didn't take any threes right like he he would never take a pull up three on on pick and roll like that but from the elbow he's actually surprisingly money yeah that's all my, that's my Ricky Rubio rant I I like Ricky Rubio I think he'll be good
1: uh look you can't you can't just put a guy in space I mean he's in the NBA. You yeah. know, I mean, th- right. that's the thing, and, th- and that's just kind of, here's the problem with that line of thinking, and I'm, I don't know who this person is on Twitter, but the problem with that is, A, a lot of guys make a lot of mistakes defending the pick and roll. They either get lost in the game, they get tired, they're a younger player, they get beat once because Ricky Rubio hits a jump shot, and they realize, okay, well, we can't do that anymore. I mean, right. th- you, maybe you let him do it twice, but if he hits it one out of two times, the coach is going to adjust, and if he hits it two out of two times, you totally adjust, and then You've kind of got this cat and mouse thing where it's okay, you get to go over, you to go under, and then how are you gonna defend it? Are you gonna switch? You get a trap, are you gonna get the ball out of Ricky Rubio's hands? You get the ball out of Ricky Rubio's hands by trapping, he's good enough A to make that pass, and then you've got an open rim run for Rudy Gobert, yeah. or Ricky Rubio's good enough if you've sent a help defender over to go and collapse, and this is getting way too complicated. But if <laughs> you're sending a corner defender down, to stop Rudy Gobert, either that person's going to get dunked on, or you've got Jonas Derebko or Rodney Hood or Joe Ingles open in the corner, and that's those guys' shot. Right. So, and I mean, the, the pick-and-roll is not just a two-man game. It's designed to get the defense moving, and then Ricky Rubio's smart enough to find that passer. And George Hill was a four-assist guy, which is great. Right. He was fine, but Ricky Rubio's certainly a better passer than that.
2: Yeah, and, and we'll have the ball in his hands more and, and create those opportunities from that first pass. Where I think George Hill kind of created those opportunities from second, third, fourth passes yeah. where the ball swings around a lot. And that's why we see the Jazz get a lot of late shot clock opportunities and one reason why I think the Jazz's pace will be faster next yeah. year.
1: Um, well, and also, where okay, where are you going to drop off Ricky Rubio? Like, how far back are you going to drop off until you have to pick him up?
2: I mean, teams dropped off him 5, 10 feet last year. Okay. It just turns out they also made him pay. Like, Ricky Rubio made them pay for it. Right. So, so if he, he gets to
1: 15 feet, you're really in trouble. And that's way too far yeah. for and and just in general just a general rule that's too dangerous for the ball to get within 15 feet of the basket with a ball handler with kind of an open run
2: and, whoever it right. is and and honestly the problem is like you can't you can't put him in the corner to space like you can with George Hill right, right. cuz he's not a three point shooter yeah but that's so you'll you'll have to redesign the offense and Quinn will have to redesign the offense so the ball's in Ricky Rubio's hands at the top of the arc where he's he's operating rather than you know sp- spacing the floor
1: you can tweet at us at Andy B Larson. We'd love to hear from you at Ben's Hoops. There's an S in there, unfortunately. At Andy B Larson or at Ben's Hoops. Who is Ben Hoops? Well, yeah. Well, okay. I I tell you, I went through thirty different handles trying to I find like it. a name because Ben Anderson is the most basic name on earth. Yeah. And so everyone's taken fifty different variations of that. And then I was like, well, I'll just go to Ben's Hoops. And I felt bad because Zach, who used to host the show, is Talk Hoops. And I was like, not trying to rip his twitter handle
2: (laughs) not trying to steal not just trying to
1: steal his thing but i don't think he had hoops trademarked no i don't think so but still it's like one it's like his thing yeah so i felt bad doing that but i was like i gotta oh oh, that was a long story
2: was it like where you had to you know where guys come into a new team and they have to pay someone off to get a jersey number i I honestly
1: i dm'd the guy whose twitter handle is ben anderson because he hadn't tweeted in four years and i was like will you follow me back so i can dm you and uh, he never followed me back because I don't think he has Twitter Wait, anymore. And I'm like, four well, you're years just, ago. I need Twitter now to delete that Twitter handle. Yeah. I want them to do it. If you haven't tweeted in, what, like 45 minutes, you <laughs> lose your Twitter handle. <laughs> like with how common Twitter has to be, you lose that handle if you don't use it quick enough. Seems fair. But seriously, a year, if you haven't tweeted or liked anything in a year, that thing becomes fair game. Yeah. And they issue it like, hey, you've got a week to respond to this email and say you still want this Twitter handle, otherwise we're giving it up. Seems reasonable. I think it's totally reasonable.
2: By but, the way, uh, we have questions on Twitter. Well, let's hear them. Let's see. Uh, we've got at @spandexlarry asking, "How many questions on this roster will average between how many, twelve? How many, how players, many, sorry, on how many players on yeah. this roster will average between twelve and seventeen points? Six? Seven?
1: Uh, all right. Let's go for who our top scorer is next year. An hour. I mean, you and I making our list. Yeah. Hour. Yeah, yeah. The Jazz. Uh, who's the Who's the Jazz top scorer next year? I s- still think it's Rodney Hood. I think it's Rudy Gobert. But okay, and, and w- that guy. One of them's one, and one of them's two. Right? Do you agree with me there?
2: Yeah, okay. Right, right, you, you
1: would take Gobert second if you took Rodney Hood one. Yep. And I'll take Rodney Hood second if I take Rudy Gobert one. Okay. Uh, who's three?
2: Uh, Ricky Rubio, is that crazy?
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Because he's never averaged 12 points in his career. Didn't he last year? I think he's only ever averaged, I think he's averaged between 9 and 10 points a game. I don't know if he's ever gotten up to 11. That's, uh, We can look that
2: up. That's really easy. Yeah, to look I'll look up. that up. Um. I yeah, would so say at eleven last year. I'd say Joe Ingles. So you think? Okay, so Joe Ingles. But I mean, Joe was what seven points a game last year? Yeah, seven well. points a game.
1: Well, his numbers come up a lot. Yeah, because he gets he's your starting small forward now. Sure, most likely. But,
2: but so he played twenty-four minutes a game next year. Let's give him thirty-six minutes a game. He's still only scoring ten points a game.
1: If we think that shot distribution stays right. per minute, and I don't think Which it does. Yeah, it won't. Yeah. It but, won't. Uh, yeah I, okay. It, Maybe I, not. Okay, then it, uh, uh, Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson, get up there?
2: Does Joe Johnson play that many minutes? Again, I think Joe Johnson probably plays about as many minutes as he did last year, 24 minutes a game. You don't want to play him a ton during the regular season, and he averaged 9.2 points a game.
1: Well, you said six or seven. Did you say six or seven, or was that on the tweet? The six tweet or was seven. six or seven. Okay. Sorry, I I, I okay. don't think it's going to be six or seven. No, I mean, Gobert and, and Hood for sure get there between yeah. 12 and 17, is that our number yeah. that we're looking for. Favors gets there.
2: Favors probably gets there. It'd
1: be really hard for Derek to not get there unless he's injured unless again he's all season. With, yeah. Uh, Derek Favors gets there, and then one other guy gets there. Donovan Mitchell, Joe Johnson, Joe Ingles, one of those guys gets there.
2: Okay. I mean, maybe I uh, – And Rookie Rubio is probably a
1: threat too. I mean, that's seven names that I have, and I'd be confident that three of them or four of them get there.
2: Okay, so you you do think it's six or seven you agree with Larry Spaniel? Oh, no, that's way too many. No, I think four get there. There are seven
1: guys that have the potential to get there, but maybe four of them do. Hood for sure. Gobert Uh, for sure. sure. I would probably say the third most likely is is probably favors because his career average is close to that.
2: Yeah, I think if he finds that role, like I say, again, I I worry about his not only his availability but his role in the offense, but... If he does get the minutes and get the playing time, he absolutely can average that. I mean, he'll if he does get the playing time, he'll shoot enough like, mid-range jumpers, honestly, to get there because he he does look at stats like points and rebounds and tries to hit targets on a game-to-game basis.
1: I, I could easily see Donovan Mitchell getting to 12 points a game because I That's think he's going to play a
2: lot. Like you, So how many minutes a game do you think he's going to get? I think he's getting a lot
1: because okay. I think there's a point where early the Jazz realized that backcourt outside of Ricky Rubio is... Not out And Rodney Hood. I'll put Rodney Hood in the backcourt, uh, even though if we're going to go... Let's do the Brad Stevens thing where we're talking ball handlers, wings, and bigs. Okay. Rodney Hood's probably more of a a wing than the ball handler. So who's your second ball handler? I mean, the guy I would put the ball in the hands of right now is Donovan Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell, so he might get 25-plus minutes, and I just think he's going to shoot the hell out of the ball. Not well, He's just going to shoot it a lot like (laughs) he did in Summer League.
2: uh, That's the thing is if he shoots, I I don't think he shoots that many times in Quinn's system. And he's talked about how he doesn't want to shoot that many times. He said that before
1: Summer League and then he went Kyle Kuzma on us and shot every time he he touched it. A,
2: he didn't shoot as much as Trey Lyles did last year, which was uh, infinite amounts. Yeah. And B, you saw his teammates during Summer League, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, he'll have better teammates.
1: Yeah, but compared to the competition... It's not going to be enormously different. It, they'll certainly be better. I think he likes shooting. I still think that's his default. And I don't think you train that out of him. Okay. I think that's part of what makes Donovan you, Mitchell, Donovan you Mitchell. Like,
2: you want him to take as many shots as possible.
1: Well. I want him to figure out how to get more efficient, but I don't have a problem with him taking shots early in his career and figuring yeah. out if he can be a scorer.
2: It's kind of like how you talk about with like turnovers are kind of a good thing for a young yeah, exactly because exactly. it shows that they're willing to kind of make the difficult mistakes that they'll get better at later on in their career. Maybe you think the same thing with shot attempts. On the other hand, there are a lot of rookies who have had bad efficiency numbers that just turned out to be really bad, inefficient players.
1: Super dark horse, twelve point per game score. Okay, Alec Burks. No,
2: how does Alec Burks career get the average ten touch?
1: points a game? So when he, because he shoots the ball every time he touches it, and he that's all he wants to do. Okay, and the Jazz may let him do that to try and trade him as well this year. The Jazz may let him get some shots up. I'd be shocked. I, I agree with you, but that's why I said super dark horse. Other super dark horse, Jonas Drebko who might get a lot more minutes than anyone's thinking.
2: I, I again, would be shocked. What's what's Jonas Derebko's, like, per 36, even?
1: Jonas Derebko, and again, he's always been on weird teams where they haven't needed him a ton. Sure. I mean, he's purely been a bench guy, and his career average is six points. So it would be a remarkable he, climb.
2: He's never, so, he, yeah, his, his highest uh, points per game average was nine in his rookie season.
1: But let's say the Jazz do move on from Derek Favors relatively early in the season. Jonas Drebko could end up getting a lot of men's for this team at power forward. Yeah. Because who else is going to play him?
2: Yeah. And I still don't think he gets 12. Yeah, probably not. That's why I said super
1: dark horse. <laughs> but I'm just saying these guys, if we're trying to clean up, and and I've just basically mentioned every name on the roster, yeah. Sands, you Dante, know, Ekbeudo, you don't think Dante Dante. Probably not. not yeah, probably 12. not Dante. Uh, I could honestly say a case. Tony not getting 12. For, Tony Bradley is the one guy whose case I would say absolutely has no chance. Joel Ballenboy is not getting 12. Netto's Are not Are we sure he's 12. on the team next year? <laughs> no, we're yeah. not. We think he's not going to be. I there. don't think he's on the team. Anyway. Neto can't get there either. No. But I would, there's a lot of guys. Any starter in the NBA can generally get you 12 points a game because they're going to get 25 plus minutes, and something there gives you the opportunity to get out there and score. So I'm looking at anyone who's not going to be playing 25 minutes and how the Jazz have played and how they're going to play this year by committee. Tabo Cephalosha. What yeah. are his odds? Low. He's not a double 20%. digit scorer. Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, that's honestly, good. That's one in five. I, I, that's I a think starter. Tabo,
2: Tabo is like more likely than Jonas Drebko. Uh, That's the thing. I think the Jazz really want to do this kind of Euro style where everybody gets like 24 to 30 minutes a game. Minus Rudy. Minus Rudy who gets 36 because he's your team, right? Like he's your identity.
1: I like that question.
2: I do, too. That was a good question. Thanks, Spandex. Lab. All right.
1: You can always give us a call as well, 877-353-0700. Tweet at us, at Andy B. Larson. You can tweet at me, at Ben's Hoops. We love to hear your questions. When we come back, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, projections for Donovan Mitchell. Let's dive into that. Uh, some new details on Joe Engel's contract as well, and how that could benefit the Jazz. We're going to talk about that. Coming up next, stay tuned. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. <laughs>
0: Salt City Hoop Show,
2: ESPN 700.
1: He's Andy Larson. Follow him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. I'm Ben Anderson. We've had a bunch of good tweets coming in. Uh, You can also give us a call, 877-353-0700, 877-353-0700. Andy, an interesting comparison for the 2017-2018 Utah Jazz.
2: Team similar to last Hey, year's repeat team. that. I didn't have your mic on. Oh, sorry. So my fault. Um, no, you're good. One percent juice on Twitter. Great Twitter handle, I guess. 2017-18 Utah Jazz. Are they? Are they going to be playing like the 2016-17 Miami Heat? In other words, the 41 and 41 Miami Heat team that just missed, missed the, the playoffs. Last game it. of the season, I but believe. But did finish the season 30 and 11.
1: Uh, were horrible to start the year. Yeah. Absolutely horrendous to start the year. Uh, I like that comparison. Good shot blocker. Big man down low. Though mm-hmm. Gobert is significantly better than uh, than Whiteside. Yeah. Uh, you've got a guy in Dion Waiters who kind of took that fourth year, what, fifth year of his career? Now he's been around a while. To figure it out. And become. he was extremely clutch this year. He had a ton of big shots. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, they didn't have a lot of obvious o- offense. Dragic. Probably comparable to Ricky Rubio. You might take Rubio, actually, as a better player. Drogic is certainly a better shooter and scorer. Yeah. So there's a benefit there. Uh, I, I see some similarities there. Here's what I like about the Jazz more than Miami last year. The Jazz know more—well, first of all, they're more talented than Miami was. Yeah. But they have more of an identity this year going into the season than did Miami, who had just lost Dwayne Wade. But there's kind of some similar comparisons there losing Gordon Hayward.
2: It's actually a really impressive coaching job. Impressive coaching job that uh, Eric Spoelstra did in order to get them to be the fifth best defensive team in the league. And I get Hassan Whiteside is is a very good shot blocker, um, but had real difficulties on pick and roll defense and really improved those and tightened up at the end of the year. And then honestly, he got everyone to buy in. I mean, guys like Rodney McGruder and and Wayne Ellington and and Luke Babbitt started over forty games for this. It's crazy because that guy was
1: barely in the NBA.
2: And right, and not because you know his defense has never been noted as good. Uh, and, you know, kind of got these guys to buy it into a defensive system, and and it worked. I mean, so you add, you know, Ricky Rubio, again, a better defender than Dragic, Tabo Cefalosha, uh, and some of the Jazz's better defensive players to what Miami, you, you probably hope they have a better defense than Miami did last year, uh, which was fifth overall. You probably figure they'll have a, a similar-ish offense, and they were 17th last year. Jazz were 16th two seasons ago. That's kind of my benchmark, because if the Jazz have an average offense next year, they've done a good job.
1: Problem was, and is for the Jazz, Miami played the East Coast 50 times last year, right? And only 30 times against the West, and the Jazz have to play a much tougher conference 50 times. And a much uh, easier conference, just thirty times, and yeah. half of those again are on the road.
2: And the conference schedule has uh, obviously gotten even harder with Denver's being good, Minnesota, and, and Houston's New better. Houston's yeah, better. Right. I mean, obviously, you, know, you go up and down. The only team that's really worse is the, the Jazz. Clippers. Maybe the Clippers. The, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, yeah,
1: I, I agree with you. Uh, and that's going to be difficult for the Jazz. Jazz are more talented. Favors is much better than what Miami was running out last year at power forward. Again, Luke Babbitt. At power forward. That's how Great. crazy the NBA is. Uh, I mean, that guy was a shooting guard small forward coming into the league, you know, and now is really playing a lot of four. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, Favors is better Favors is better than Luke Babbitt by a lot, even though fit-wise, <laughs> obviously, Babbitt makes some sense because he's a shooter. Uh, Gobert is a lot better than Hassan Whiteside. Rubio and, and Dragic are probably pretty similar. I You know, Deion Waders is probably better than Rodney Hood last year. Uh, quite a bit better yeah. last year. But it's not out of the – it's not impossible for Hood to get up to that Deion Waiters level. But Waiters was good. Oh, yeah. Earned himself a lot of money this year.
2: By by the second half of the season – and, you know, we were talking about whether – what players on the Jazz's roster will score between 12 and 17 points a game. They have five players who did it. Okay. Uh, and that's James Johnson, Tyler Johnson, Deion Waiters, Son Whiteside, and Drogic.
1: I mean, someone has to score. And the right. Jazz will score. I mean, the Jazz will get into the hundreds – Semi regularly, not every night. You know, <laughs> right, they're not the Golden State Warriors, NBA but teams do it happens. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna have nights where you play well. It, it's not out of the question that the Jazz have a 20 point per game score next year. No, and I think I think the two candidates for that are obviously Rodney Hood, and I actually think if someone gets up to 20, I would say it's probably Rudy Gobert, because I just think he kind of continues his offensive prowess and gets a lot more touches, and he. Finds a way to get his free throw shooting up to seventy nine percent or something like that, and goes to the line eleven times a game.
2: See, so if that happens, I I think you know, I think he gets to like sixteen. But I I think in he, Gordon Hayward's absence may hurt him more than anybody else on the team.
1: May hurt Gobert. Yeah, because he don't have that spacing or that extra playmaker. Exactly,
2: and it's not like Gordon Hayward consistently threw lobs to Rudy Gobert because that just didn't happen all that frequently. But in terms of Who's going to get all of that impact and all of that scouting and everything else? I think it's Rudy Gobert, and I, I think you know he's going to have to learn how to fight through that. Now, the good news is I think he showed in the second round of the playoffs that he's very capable of handling that and competing despite it. Um, but you know this is going to be a harder season than ever than anything Gobert has faced.
1: Uh, one of the guys who's going to have to step up his role. Uh, and someone we've gotten a little bit of news about is Joe Ingles having a declining contract. Joe Ingles is going to have to play more minutes. He's going to play at the four. He's going to play a lot at the three and might be your starting three next year. So he'll get some, some added time. And it actually could be a guy who with his spacing, if he continues to shoot the ball as well as he did last year, could play a really crucial part in making sure Rudy Gobert has an easier time. And he's a very good passer as well. But that declining contract is nice for the Jazz because Again, if this is a year where the Jazz can roll out and say, we've got Rudy for four more years, there's not this win-now necessity. You're still in the honeymoon of the departure of Gordon Hayward, so fans are going to be a little bit lenient with the expectations. At least they should be. Yeah, Uh, if they're not, they're crazy. This is the year to overpay a guy. And you could argue that all three of these years or four years you're overpaying uh, Joe Ingles, but it's better to start high and then get lower as he gets older.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with that. You know, you were you were kind of thinking that maybe by the time he was thirty two, thirty three, he's a just straight up spot up shooter, yeah. right? And you know, one of the better ones in the league, you hope. But still, that's that's a guy with different value than what Joe Ingles currently brings, which is some playmaking and right. everything else. Uh, so that contract starts where he makes fourteen million dollars a year in year one and makes only ten point eight by twenty 2020, twenty 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 one, um, so that that fourth year. So that that really helps the jazz out and i think it makes it a more tradable contract too in case you know if a team is looking for that shooter teams are yeah. always looking for shooting then it makes it easier to find matching salaries to come back if if you want to do that now i'm not saying you would ever want to trade joe ingles at this point cuz you know what he means to the community yeah. and and honestly his teammates but 3 years from now you we know, don't know what's going to happen
1: again you know, who i've said he is he's a poor man's now but he'll get better than this guy got was boris Diaw. I just think he's Boris Diaw in almost every single sense huh. of the word. I mean, he's kind of that playmaker who can play... I mean, Boris Diaw could legitimately play five positions, but probably realistically played two through five and really three through five, while Joe Ingles probably plays more one through four. Never going to get up and play center, but by the time his career is over, he's going to be a spot-up shooter, a lot like Boris Diaw was, who you can put on the put on the post and have him make some passes out of there, and that's really his best skill, and then you hope he's a good finisher where Boris Diaw had some nice finishes last year when he could turn you around and, and, and get a layup at the rim.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say that Boris could never shoot from outside, right? no, which really hurt his right. value. But
1: but- he had the one good year with the Spurs, and that was kind of where Evan thought, like, oh, there's this resurgence of him as an older player, and that's, I think, what the Jazz thought they were going to get last year as well. They didn't, but that's who Joe Ingles becomes, is that guy who shoots 40 for 40% for and kind of is slow but can guard a couple of different positions and pass the ball the way Boris Diaw did late in his career.
2: Yeah, I, I, I see but that. But a better shooter. I mean, you you hope that he doesn't, let himself go like Boris, you know what I mean? Yeah, like absolutely. Joe, honestly, Boris how in is shape? Boris now? 36?
1: Probably right. Yeah, that's the type of guy who's lying about his age. <laughs> I bet he's 41 years old. But Boris <laughs> Diaw was only ever in shape, what, Boris. twice, three times in his career. You know, three seasons he was really in good shape. He was always kind of ba- battling weight issues, and certainly when he got to Charlotte he was terrible. Right. Had a resurgence. And, and I, think, I think you'll see similar things to Joe Ingles, though he will never be out of shape. Right, I yeah. think he takes it more seriously than Boris did.
2: And he figures out a way to impact the game without being athletic. Well, Obviously, he's already doing But so it. did
1: Boris. You know, yeah. all those things kind of apply to Boris Dio. You know, early in his career, he was more athletic. But even then, go to his highlight tape on YouTube. How many poster dunks does he have in his career? Despite having this ridiculous vertical and the, the famous story about him clearing the jump rack mm-hmm. for Phoenix. like He's a remarkable athlete who didn't show didn't it all really the time
2: on the court. Right. So. Uh, While you're on YouTube looking for Boris Dale clips, be sure to look at the Bill Walton commentary of of where he just waxes poetic about Boris, Boris for a minute. I could
1: listen to Bill Walton talk forever.
2: We should play that on, on the show at some point. Brittany can get on Brittany, there. we can make that happen.
1: Uh, but I, I think, so in Joe Ingles, $10 million at the end of his career. It's just like Boris D- Did anyone feel like Boris Dale's contract was an enormous burden last year for the Jazz? No. No, not at all. In not. the same way Joe Ingles won't at all either. At $10 million in a couple of seasons at his age, I don't think it's going to be an enormous burden. And, again, it's going to be less than 10% of the, the salary cap at that point, most likely, yep. which is fine because he's going to probably still give you close to 10% of your minutes.
2: Yeah, you you hope so, again, as a spot-up shooter guy who can give you decent defense. So I'll, I'll take that if with he, Joe If Engels. he forgets how to shoot, you know, if this last year turns out to be a fluke, then it's a bad contract.
1: And he's the type of guy who can help people. On the roster, and, and will continue to teach yep. people tricks and, and be a guy you want to have around on your roster. And as a guy who, unless he just wants to go back home and get away from basketball because maybe he doesn't care about it, could end up being a coach in the NBA for a long time as well.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think that's Joe. I think he really does care about the game, and I, yep. think, he, I think he's kind of a, a lifer.
1: All right. Send us a tweet at Andy B Larson. You can tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. I do want to look at some potential targets for the Jazz if they're not done making moves, and I'm talking about before February, before the trade deadline. We'll catch up on all that before the end of the show, which ends at nine. So we got a, a lot still to come. Stay tuned. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. <music>
0: Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. Find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. All right, coming up in 10 minutes. I'm excited for this game. It's called Buyers or Sellers, and not Buying or Selling, which is a game everyone plays. I'm talking about coming up the trade deadline, February of 2018, which teams are going to be buying assets mm-hmm. and which teams are going to be selling assets or, or players. Uh, and I think the good news for the Jazz is they can do both. Yeah. There's Even if the Jazz are looking like they're going to make the playoffs, I could see the Jazz selling off a player for the right asset. And even if the Jazz don't look like they're anywhere near making the playoffs, I could see them taking on a player that they think is going to make them better in the long run.
2: I think we both agree in the post-Gordon Hayward era, the Jazz are just looking to get – long-term talent on the team yeah right?
1: so and gather information this is a good information gathering season which you do right. every year but this year more than than some years
2: you're trying to get information from other teams well and also your own team so you, you know you make better decisions in the summer of 2018 and everything else um so yeah i am excited for this
1: so that's coming up in 10 minutes so make sure you stay tuned for that right here espn 700 uh really quick Former MVP just signed with a championship contender and that is Derrick Rose <laughs> yeah. signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, you, you can argue whether or not
2: you, you loosely.
1: Yeah, oh, I use championship contender loosely too because you could argue Fair. that the Cavs actually are not because they're still the Golden State Warriors in the NBA and no one's really contending with them.
2: And uh, they look unlikely to have Kyrie Irving in in 3 months. Do you think do you think they'll still have Kyrie? I want to talk about that All coming right. up well, in we'll save it.
1: 40 minutes. Deal. So I want to come I want to talk about that in the second segment of our second hour. Uh, Derek Rose I actually don't hate this because what do yeah. you have to lose
2: it's fine it's two million dollars it's four million dollars less per year than Shelvin Mack. Made. right right like right Derek Rose I, I get that maybe you have some weird chemistry issues and and you know with with Chicago there were some things where Derek Rose didn't get along with people on the, on his team because yeah. he thought he was a man hopefully he's over that at this point and that two million dollar contract is a is a wake up call of some sort
1: he's the type of guy who i think will buy into lebron's thing because lebron so loves derrick rose for some reason even though derrick rose might be a creep off the floor and is not a great scorer efficiency wise he's a he's an absurd talent he is as talented a player as there is you know in the nba and at his peak his talent was undeniable now he had freakish yeah. athleticism to mix That's, with that
2: i don't think his talent level was as high as you're saying okay He's a. I think we're seeing that now, honestly.
1: Sure, obviously we are. And we are seeing that now. And even in a bad year last year, he had 18 points, four rebounds, and four assists. So there are some things he doesn't... And I know those numbers were just crazy on the Knicks and somebody had to do something, and he was that guy. I think he will fit in with the Cavs and do something. I don't think he's a total negative on the floor. And Darren Williams actually had some good... Good play, good play last year before they got to Golden State, and everyone's going to remember the Darren Williams Cavs era as being terrible. Even though I thought he actually did some nice things coming off the bench until he ran into a team he just can't play against.
2: Yeah, there was a reason he was getting that many minutes for the the last few games of the Eastern Conference Finals and the Finals was because he was good in, in yeah. for the last thirty or so games of the regular season. But yeah, so I think it's an upgrade there, and I think you know from an on-court basketball point of view, you couldn't do much better for two million dollars. Um, again, you know, like. Jimmer Fredette is making more in China. Yep. you yep. know. Like, And you
1: can, probab- you can probably uh, afford to play him 20 minutes a game for a couple of games if you have to, yep. and that's okay. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to do buyers or sellers, which teams we're buying, which teams we think are going to be selling at the trade deadline. You talked about uh, Bill Walton kind of waxing poetic about Boris Diao. We want to talk about it with our highlight tapes uh, from YouTube. Uh, make sure you stay tuned. It's the ESPN. Here's that Bill Walton clip, by the way. Yep. Stay tuned. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700
0: from San Diego, the University of Arizona, bought the team from Jerry Colangelo, it, and the vision to somehow acquire Boris Diao. And when you look at Boris Diao, what he's done to this franchise, he's changed everything. And as we celebrate his brilliance, and when you talk to Boris Diao, what a classical human being he is. It was 201 years ago today, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 3 in E-flat, which, Home of the best Utah jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt
1: City Hoops show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy B. Larson, or you can follow me at Ben's Hoops. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, All right, we've got a a fun segment here, and I think it's going to be interesting because I think the jazz are going to be looking for the right deal uh, coming up here, pretty much all season long and into next year, because I think the Jazz realize that they need to get more talented mm-hmm. uh, coming up if they want to have success with this roster. And I think they're going to try and find places to do that throughout the season. And one of the places you got to look is what the other teams have and who's going to be buying players and who's going to be selling players, either to try and really make a run in the playoffs or make sure they get into the lottery or or you know are trying to get rid of a contract that they don't want to be paying long term.
2: This is way too soon, right? Like. But this is a kind of look that NBA teams and uh, you know general managers and Absolutely. their staffs look at, heck, even one, two, three years down the road to right. try to figure out what each team's plan is and, and what opportunities might become available. And
1: if you're a Jazz fan, you're going to want to keep your eye on who becomes available and you know which teams are, are trying to get players from you because you also may want to get a late first-round pick in exchange for Joe Johnson if, if for some yep. reason that becomes an option for a team that is just saying, like, this is our last chance and we're really good this year the Spurs for some reason are thinking like hey we can really win a championship and we need Joe Johnson and we'll give you up the 30th pick even though they never trade their first round picks. Uh all right. Let's just go through the teams really quick and then we'll come back and revisit which players we think might be available. Boston Celtics buyers or sellers?
2: Buyers, right? Contenders you, want to compete with the Cavs in the East.
1: Uh okay. I think they absolutely could be buyers. I could see them making trades, but it's trades to try and get better. Toronto Raptors buyers or sellers?
2: Uh probably buyers again kind of for kay. the same reason. Knicks. Uh who do they sell? I mean, if Carmelo's still on the team, I yeah. guess. But. I'm going to
1: say sellers because I don't think they're competing for much. They could try and get better, though, but I'm suspecting they're going to make at least a big deal before the season starts. So, maybe you know what? Let's say buyers again because I think if they get a Kyrie or they trade Carmelo, whatever happens, okay. and maybe that's in the same deal, they're probably going to be looking to get assets coming up in the trade deadline. That's at true. The trade deadline. I
2: do think they have a competent GM now, and so yeah. you know that, that means that they're more predictable in terms of they may just bottom out here because it's the right thing
1: to do. Seventy-sixers, this one's tough for me.
2: I think they sell. You know, they've got two contracts on. Uh, I guess this, you wanted me to go quick, but I'll quick sure. explanation. They got J.J. J. Redick and Amir Johnson. Both of those guys are expiring. That's a perfect kind of thing to to try to trade off. You know, yeah, somebody for sure. Wants J.J. Redick for a late first and would love to add them to the roster.
1: Brooklyn Nets who have certainly have be, uh, suddenly become buyers in the NBA.
2: Yeah, buyers still for the same reason. Cuz
1: you're at the worst team in the NBA, you can't get worse than. that.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't have anything to sell. You know, maybe you sell Trevor Booker off, but here's okay, and we I also didn't put out the any.
1: option that you could do buyers and sellers. You can do both. Okay. And then the Knicks could certainly fall in that cuz I would say the Jazz fall under a buyer and a seller.
2: So then I guess I would say the Sixers are both buyers and sellers okay. because they can sell stuff but then also, you know, they've got I think buying makes sense for them if Michelangelo's looked for to maybe make some trades. Yeah,
1: and if they they look like they have a chance to be the Jazz last year who missed the playoffs two seasons ago and then had a chance to compete for home court advantage Mm -hmm. in the first round, and I don't think that's out of the question for Philly this year if everything comes together. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm going to put them as both buyers and sellers. Who do they sell? Uh, Kevin Love.
2: Still, I mean, he still has so much longer on his contract that he makes much more sense to me as uh, an off-season trade kind of thing. Sure. You're you're making, you know, you're— You're changing your franchise so much if you trade Kevin Love away that I think it only makes sense to do once LeBron James is lost.
1: Uh, I think that's fair. That's left. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, buyers or sellers?
2: Probably buyers, right?
1: Probably buyers in case something, unless something goes terribly wrong and they feel like they have to get rid of Chris Middleton or Jabari Parker, and I don't see that happening. Indiana Pacers, buyers or sellers?
2: Uh, Probably sellers. I don't think
1: they bottomed out yet. So I'm with you on sellers. Chicago Bulls, buyers or sellers? I'm probably Warriors. still saying I think they're still sellers, even though I don't think they have a whole lot to sell. Yeah,
2: again, I, uh, I, I don't know how much I believe in their talent. Um, right. And that that team has just been allergic to bottoming out. Uh, Detroit Pistons. Even though they signed guys like, you know, Dwayne Wade. Sure. But maybe you trade Dwayne Wade to a team? Absolutely. Gonna trade Dwayne. Are they going to trade, trade Dwayne Wade? Yeah,
1: trade Dwayne Wade, Dwayne. yeah. <laughs> uh, D- Detroit Pistons, I think they're obvious sellers. I think they want to get rid of both Reggie Jackson yeah. and Andre Drummond. They've been sellers for the last two years. Yeah, and they just gave up on uh, on yeah, right. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. They've got to figure out what they're going to do with Avery Bradley. I actually think that's a good play, player you can trade and try and get a first-round draft pick before he signs somewhere else this offseason.
2: There may not be any bigger seller team in the
1: league. Uh, Washington Wizards.
2: Probably buyers. buyers right? because they might be
1: the second-best team in the Eastern Conference yep. if Boston doesn't come together. Atlanta Hawks.
2: Probably Sellers.
1: Probably Sellers. Uh, Miami Heat.
2: By, um, Probably
1: buyers. I'd say they're probably buying uh, because they they, they barely missed the playoffs last year, and I think there's no reason for them not to compete for the playoffs because they don't need to be bad to get stars. They feel like Miami and Pat Riley is good enough to to bring in stars like they thought they could with Gordon Hayward. Charlotte Hornets, buyers or sellers?
2: Sellers, right? I mean, you've got, again, kind of a middle. They just traded for Dwight Howard. Yeah, they could be on the and buy. Want to sell, Dwight yeah, and th- they may want to sell you know, Dwight and, Howard. And I think ultimately they're they're going to have to figure out a direction that's not being the eighth seed in, in yeah. the East. Um, Nick Batum would be someone who they could may- maybe move. You know, Frank Kaminsky Kemba could be Walker's, moved. Yep. The, your franchise, Frank Kaminsky, a good example.
1: Orlando Magic. I can't believe them. I mean I think they're sellers, which yeah, is I crazy because they're too. so bad, but, but they they I don't have, think they bottomed out yet.
2: And they have so much money and all these weird contracts that they got to trade some of the the front court.
1: Uh, I think the Jazz are both buyers and sellers, yep. as we mentioned. Oklahoma City Thunder.
2: Buyers for a presumed contention. Could be reason.
1: interesting, though, because they could trade Paul George if they wanted to, if they feel like for sure he's going to be gone, but they could get a ton for him for from the Cavs or from somebody if they wanted to get that long-term piece like Kevin Love. And the Cavs say, you know what? We think there's a real chance we lose LeBron as we're currently kind of built, so let's trade Kevin Love for a guy like Paul George and make one real run at it because I think Paul George is better than Kevin Love.
2: Yeah, you make one real run at it. Is that worth losing the next three years? You know, maybe you trade. Yeah, because I don't know if you want. I don't know if you want to pay Kevin Love. Three first-round picks. You know,
1: whatever. Uh, that seems like a lot for Kevin Love. But yeah, uh, he's coming off an All-Star year, so I'm gonna put buyers and sellers for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Portland Trailblazers are really interesting to me.
2: I think they, I mean, they just sold, right? And Alan right. Crab. I think they try to sell again. Um, but that that
1: selling Alan Crabb is almost a buy because you're trying yeah. to get money back Yeah. so you can have more money, even but though yeah, they don't have any.
2: Maybe, you know, someone, maybe you can trade Evan Turner to somebody and, and make that work. I, I don't think they're selling CJ or Dame.
1: Right, but they are trying to get mellow, apparently. At least CJ, CJ and is Dame trying are. trying
2: to get mellow, but I don't know that, like, Neil O'Shea is trying to get
1: mellow. Denver Nuggets. I actually think they're sellers, even though they were buyers in the offseason. I think they're trying to move some of these pieces to figure out how to best fit Jokic, Millsap, and then either Jamal Murray or whoever they think is going to be their best backcourt Right, player.
2: because their roster doesn't make sense long-term. They just right. Like we have talked about, they have too many power yeah. forwards, and so you got to sell some of
1: them. So sellers. Yeah. I'm going uh, okay, I like that. Let's go with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Buyers, right? Buyers. I mean,
2: you're, that team will be looking for shooting, looking for something that... Comp- completes their current
1: court. Uh, yeah, unless Jeff Teague is an absolute non-fit and they feel like they need to move him or something like that. They could sell Wiggins also at the trade deadline if they think, hey, we've got a chance to be a top-four team in the West and Wiggins can get us something more than what he provides us right now, which is a lesser version of kind of everything they already have, which is either as a pure yeah. scorer or as a wing player or as a defensive player.
2: I don't think that
1: works out. Warriors, they're not, they're not either. They're, they can stand <laughs> they pat and be moves. just fine. Uh, <laughs> Clippers, I think, is really interesting.
2: Yeah, I, I think they're buyers... I mean, I, 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 you know, obviously, you've got the aggressive owner, you've got the coach, who's Doc Rivers is not a seller kind of GM, right?
1: And they just signed uh, Blake Griffin, so you don't want to have bad seasons while you right. have Blake Griffin. But they were also talking about trading DeAndre Jordan this offseason. season. So and
2: DeAndre is a free agent at the end of the year. The problem is, it's really hard to integrate like a defensive center like DeAndre Jordan to a team like without having that training camp. Um so I, I to me I don't think he makes a lot of sense as like a, a trade deadline acquisition for anybody else and so I I think they're trying to keep DeAndre keep the steam around and and adding to that talent
1: help. Sacramento Kings I think they're buyers because yeah. I think they've been buying they, Zebo, George Hill, these pieces they've gotten
2: do they Sell Zebo or George Hill is my only question.
1: They could, if uh, especially if De'Aaron Fox is good enough that they feel like they need to play him or Scalabissier has to play and they need to get rid of Zebo, but there's no reason why you can't fit those. They're, they've got enough minutes available on that team to get all those guys' minutes. Yep. Uh, Lakers.
2: Fires, right? They so who could.
1: Do they sell? Uh, Clarkson. Jer- and we'll talk about yeah. who these guys are going to become available and where you could get these pieces and how I mean, they could help the Jazz. And I think that's that's our next conversation coming up immediately as soon as we end yeah, this.
2: They, they tried to sell Jeremy Clarkson, or not Jeremy. Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. Uh, and found out that he wasn't worth
1: anything. They're trying to figure out their money situation because they want to sign two max players this offseason, so they could be selling to clear out cap space and take out non-guaranteed contracts to match up with Contavious caldwell Popu where they gave $18 million or whatever it was for one season. I mean, they just yeah. want to have as much money as avail- as possible at the end of the year. Oh, yeah, uh, Oh, they would love to sell Luol Dang. I don't know how you do it, yeah, but you got to f- team him with something good. Value. But... They may be able to do that, and then they can really load up their talent this offseason.
2: Brooke Lopez, is he worth anything to anybody?
1: Uh, he's good. He can play. He's a big guy. And, and who knows what teams get desperate and feel like they need to make a move. We uh,
2: just haven't seen a center get like actual trade value back. Correct. In- or
1: long-term contracts this offseason, which is interesting because that just shows that the value is going down other than you know Rudy Gobert and Steven Adams, the guys who signed their mid-year deals last year, and then Blake Griffin, obviously, this season. Phoenix Suns.
2: Is it time for them to buy? I think they're sellers with Jared Dudley.
1: Jared Dudley, and Eric Bledsoe. Chandler
2: maybe Eric Bledsoe, yeah. Yeah. Probably sellers.
1: Uh, Brandon Knight yeah. could try and sell, but they need to also get some young pieces around. So or th- maybe if they you just sell
2: cl- all those guys for a-, a superstar, which is what they've been trying to do this right. offseason, right? Right. Is that I- I'm going to put them selling? as both buyers or sellers okay.
1: because they could do both. They need to clear room for their young guys to play.
2: Yep. San
1: Antonio Spurs, buyers or sellers?
2: Presumably buyers.
1: Probably buyers, though they're trying to get rid of Lamarcus Aldrich. I don't know how to do it. Houston Rockets. Buyers, always going to be buyers. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Sellers, I think sellers right? for sure, and I think they could have some really good pieces come available. What, Pelicans. Uh, buyers? Probably because buyers, but they might they be trying fired? to get rid of Rajon Rondo.
2: Look, if, if you, tr- yeah, you, maybe, but who's going to buy Rajon Rondo right. again? And B, if you get rid of DeMarcus and, and or Anthony Davis, you're fired, right? Like right. You've, you've failed too many years in a row.
1: Except for I would trade Kyrie Irving for uh, Boogie Cousins if I could do that. If, if you're the, for some reason, or
2: uh, probably uh, Pelicans. Oh well, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. for
1: sure. And I think for some reason the Cavs may feel like that's the best talent they can get because that's a weird front office right now. Who that would doesn't? Be crazy. Is it a nightmare? But I love that. And then you trade Kevin Love for a point guard. I really like that. Here's the problem with the Kevin Love trade: if you're trying to get a point guard back, nobody has two good point guards in the NBA right now. Yeah, everyone, almost everyone has one good point guard, other than the Sacramento Kings, because you don't know what you have yet with De'Aaron Fox, and they've got George Hill. There's not a lot of teams that are too deep at point guard like the Clippers were when they had Chris Paul and Eric Bledsoe. Nobody has that guy who needs to be starting who's your backup right now. At least I, I haven't been able to think about it or think of it. I've been trying to figure out who that would be. Yeah. And the only teams that make sense, honestly, are if Donovan Mitchell's a point guard and you realize that really early on and you got to get rid of Rubio to clear minutes for him and that same scenario in Sacramento as I just mentioned. And potentially uh, uh, Portland. If you think if someone thinks that C.J. McCollum can run your point, which I don't think he can. And I don't think they think Uh, But if you can team next to LeBron and LeBron runs the point and then you've got a a small guy in the backcourt, you can probably run that. Uh, Okay, Dallas Mavericks, last team, buyers or sellers?
2: Probably sellers. Sellers. Okay,
1: so let me go over our teams that are sellers and we'll figure out which pieces we think could be available for the Jazz. We put the Philadelphia 76ers as sellers. Does anyone on that roster make sense for the Jazz?
2: Um... I mean, they're kind of one-year deals is why I think their sellers is J.J. Right. Redick and Amir Johnson. So, and the Jazz are probably
1: looking for a long-term piece, as we mentioned. Right.
2: So I don't think that they trade, you know, Ben Simmons or even, you know, Robert Covington. They want to keep him. Dario Sar. You know, all these guys are, are long-term pieces for the Sixers. I agree. Uh, the only piece there
1: that I kind of like that you could maybe turn into a long-term piece if you're the Jazz, even though I don't think you need him, is Rayshawn Holmes. I just like Holmes. I, yeah. I, he's played well. But yeah, that's... He's Ekbe He's all these other guys. You know, as far as he's just a backup center, Uh, not a guy you're going to invest a ton of minutes in. I don't think Philly has anything that the Jazz are looking for. Our next seller that we listed, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I think the Jazz would love to find a way to get Kevin Love on this roster.
2: Yeah, I I really do too, and I think, again, makes sense because he's got the long-term contract, so it does fit. uh, It's really kind of where you think Kevin Love can play next to Rita Gobert, and, you know, I think – He's never played with someone that defensively good before. Sure. So I think it'd be it'd be really interesting. I feel like people around here and maybe it's just people I'm reading on Twitter really underestimate how good Kevin Love is. I think the Cavaliers
1: underestimate how good Kevin Love is. Because yep. I don't think the Cavaliers are run very well because their owner's an idiot and they're on the, on the coach. They're yeah, and they've got a what, their fifth option at GM right now? I mean, right. the number of guys they tried to go after before they got to Altman, who was already there. I mean, he was already on staff.
2: Yeah, he's the assistant
1: and then didn't end up, I mean, he was like their fourth choice. <laughs> that's a bad sign. Yeah. Uh, so I think, and, and I think there's a real chance that they think, we're going to lose LeBron James, someone has a good deal, or we're just trying to clear space, purely clear space this offseason, and that's how the Jazz could sweep in with a Derek Favors, Joe Johnson trait, or a first-round pick, Derek Favors, and Joe Johnson, and you get Kevin Love back. He's a four-time All-Star who I think can still give you 20 points a game, who's going to turn 29 or 30 this season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that works. Um, they could I, probably get better offers think, than that. I do too.
1: Uh, I but I think that would be something the Jazz would really love to look at. And you know, you could put Dante in a conversation like that if he emerges, or you could put Rodney in a conversation like that if you don't want to pay him, but you think he has value elsewhere.
2: It's kind of like uh, what Windhorse said in that podcast that without Boris Diaw, this trade doesn't make. Any, and now we're trading about talking about yeah. a trade deadline, but. Um, it's really hard to get a trade that makes sense for the Cavs to get sure. Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving on the roster uh,
1: but that would be the name I think the Jazz would love to find a way to get and I'm sure they've had that conversation and would continue to have that conversation yep. especially if it feels like he's going to become available Indiana Pacers
2: uh, is there anyone I mean they're not going to give you Miles Turner and they're not going
1: to give you any of their young pieces that they just traded for I mean they would gladly give you uh, Oladipo because that he has a horrible contract but the Jazz have a Rich man's Oladipo, or even better, a low-cost Oladipo <laughs> right now in Donovan Mitchell, right? With higher upside.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly. And he just makes too much money at this point. I mean, Bogdanovich maybe, but no,
1: nothing that's gonna blow your skirt up.
2: Right. Uh,
1: so let's pass on Indiana. Okay. Uh, moving on, so our next seller that we had on our list was the Detroit Pistons.
2: I don't see it. Um,
1: I... First of all, I don't like that role. Actually, the the one thought... guy. Who, if you thought what you wanted to do was audition him because you want to bring him back long term is Avery Bradley. And again, I just think he
2: probably is too much crossover with Donovan Mitchell. I would also throw Tobias Harris in there as the yep. stretch four next to Rudy Gobert. Sure. Problem is Tobias Harris might be the one guy on that roster who they like, um, which is unfortunate for Stan. But honestly, he was their leading scorer last year. Um, has improved on the defensive end. I, I think he'd be he'd be a nice fit next to Rudy. I don't think they want to trade him.
1: Uh a guy who, and again, this is just me uh, and these guys generally don't pan out if they haven't panned out yet. But a guy I would still always be interested in is Stanley Johnson, and you just hope he was a bad fit with yeah. Detroit, but was a really kind of a nice player coming out of Arizona. And maybe that's a guy you you just do a young player for young player swap, saying we need Dante needs a new landing spot. He just needs a shake up in culture, and so does Stanley Johnson. So why don't we just swap these young guys who haven't worked out for our rosters?
2: Interesting, that- and
1: that's because the Jazz need yeah. Wing depth, and they want to get rid of Reggie Jackson, and they would love to have a guy like Dante who could maybe be something there.
2: That's, that's, I, I don't hate that idea. So, those
1: types of pieces I think are, are always tradable and uh, something I'd keep an eye on for the Jazz. Uh, Detroit Pistons, we thought were the biggest sellers coming up, most likely at the trade deadline. There's
2: just no fit for the Jazz to buy there.
1: Uh, here's our problem. We, it, it's hard to know who's been injured and who wants to get rid of some of these contracts. Chicago Bulls, I don't think there's a lot there.
2: No, I mean, uh, Jazz aren't going to be interested. They just don't have good young players who they would trade. I mean, do you want to take on Chris Dunn? Do you want to take on Laurie Markkinen? And then they don't have any kind of like right. mid-range, long-term people.
1: Unless they were able to sign Miritich to a decent contract, a lower-level contract, and he ends up not fitting their timeline of their rebuild, and but he has a good season. Maybe the Jazz could say, hey, that's a guy who we think can come in and give us 17 points a game and replace what we hoped we were getting in Danilo Gallinari if yeah. you thought he was going to become available okay. and didn't. Uh, that would be the only piece. Uh, but again, you have to give them a young player. They're
2: very different players, but yeah, I, I see what you're right.
1: Saying. You you understand what I'm saying? A, a, a wing score, a perimeter score, and Miritich might be able to be that guy. Other sellers that we listed, the Charlotte Hornets. I actually think Nick Batum is a guy who could have potential as, the, as a target for the Jazz.
2: Yeah, I think he fits a lot of what the Jazz want. Uh, you know, we we've seen him kind of become a secondary playmaker. The Jazz love those kind of wings and nope. someone who can play some defense and someone who can shoot the ball well. He makes a ton of money. He's making $22 million next year and makes $25 million in in 2019-20. But honestly, I think he does a lot and may be worth that money. Um, you know Marvin Williams. You, if you think he can be what he was two years ago, but I don't see the Jazz taking a, a gamble on someone his age.
1: But again, Nick Batum last year, 15 points, six rebounds, six assists. I mean, he's that type of guy. Yeah. I mean, he's got that a little bit of the Haywardish type of thing that I think. I mean, when he moved, signed in Charlotte, that's what people thought they were getting, and they thought, oh, they missed out on Hayward the first time they went out and mm. got him, and Portland lost out on him. It hasn't fit as perfectly as they thought it might, but the Jazz, loving that international flavor, might want to bring him in.
2: It's kind of a choice, really, if you want to pay Rodney Hood. Four years down the road or pay Nick Batum, and, and maybe that's kind of a trade that might work out.
1: The Oklahoma City Thunder, I listed it, or, or or I'm skipping a team, Orlando Magic. Okay. The the Magic, is that a team that would have anything that the Jazz might be interested
2: in? The problem is that they're so front court heavy, and, and the Jazz are too, so I, I don't know that that happens. You know, you don't want Biombo. I mean, Evan Fournier might be a Fournier. guy who they would sell.
1: And um, Jazz have friendly relationships with Fournier and, and Rudy yeah. Gobert being buddies. Uh, I know the Jazz were interested in Aaron Gordon before the draft and would still probably like a player like that if they could get him. I don't know what it costs coming back.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I think it probably costs too much. Um, Yeah, Fournier is not not crazy.
1: No, uh, not at all, and I think that's the type of player the Jazz could look at because he has a chance to bring in and be a scorer for the Jazz. Uh, Next team down, I put him way more of a buyer than a seller, and the only player I thought they were potentially selling in the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, was Paul George. Yeah, The Jazz have no interest in Paul George on a three-month rental that would cost a fortune. Uh, Otherwise, a couple of guys on this roster, I just don't think there's enough there. I know Jazz fans, for some reason, uh, wanted to bring in a couple of players in a potential trade like Doug McDermott, but I just... I don't think that that's a first defensive jazz. player in the league. Yeah, saying. he's really bad. Uh, so I don't think that makes sense for the Jazz. Nick Collison was a guy the Jazz might have been interested in a few years ago. Uh, Ennis Cantor is going to be on the trade deadline yeah. or on the trade market, but the Jazz obviously are a no <laughs> with Ennis Cantor. Uh, Trailblazers are kind of interesting. Trailblazers are a team who, again, I always thought the Jazz needed to find a way to try and get CJ McCollum. I don't well, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually ends up on the market sooner than a lot of people think because he is a little bit repetitive, because they have the worst defensive backcourt in the NBA and because he makes so much money and has owed money for a long time, and you could probably get pretty good value back. I just don't know if the Jazz have the value to get him.
2: I agree with that. And I, I I'm more skeptical than you that they they trade him. Uh, either him or Dame. You know, I think Dame is clearly the keeper guy there. Yeah. Um. And, and then beyond that, they have the third highest payroll in the league next year. So they need to get rid of money though. So they, you need to get rid of money, but you know, are the Jazz going to sign Evan Turner or Myers Leonard or Mo Harkless? Maybe Mo Harkless if they're willing to trade yep. him. But, uh, or Aminu, they would take Aminu for sure. I like
1: Aminu. Uh, yeah. so I think they've got some pieces that could be traded off, and you got to realize the Jazz are giving them hopefully nothing in return. Right. The Jazz aren't trying to make Portland better and aren't going to be willing to. But the Jazz actually. And, and you know what? You could team together a couple of these contracts that you have signed, Tavo Sefalosha and uh, Jonas Drebko, and you could get back a $10 million salary that has three years left. Yeah. Uh, and they get to waive them if, in this offseason if it's true that these are one and one deals that the Jazz signed with all their new players. Uh, so we listed to Something
2: in, like a menu for Joe Johnson, for example.
1: Right. Then, it, yeah. If they were trying to make the playoffs and they thought they could use that type of guy, and the Jazz. Didn't feel like Joe Johnson was going to add extra value to them.
2: But they probably have enough scoring anyway. But anyway, yeah. Here's a team I actually
1: think – here's a team that I really think could become a seller at the trade deadline. You listed them as a buyer. I think it's the Clippers. And the player I think becomes available is Danilo Gallinari, even though they just traded for him slash signed him because it's the type of thing where I think Danilo Gallinari probably needs to play the four. Blake Griffin has to play the four. DeAndre Jordan, I think they would like to keep long-term next to Blake Griffin if they can, and they realize, oh, man, we have a horrible fit with Danilo Gallinari. Yeah. We need to trade him. We know the Jazz had interest, and the Jazz can give you basically expiring contracts to get him back.
2: Again, I think that makes more sense as an off-season deal once they know if DeAndre is re signing with them or going somewhere else. Correct. know he got pretty close to going somewhere else before. Uh, so... I. Uh, I could see that happening, though. Uh, I don't think that the Jazz would be interested in Austin Rivers, Wes Johnson.
1: Oh, Austin Rivers is untouchable. Did you not hear that? (laughs) Yeah, he's untouchable in a trade, even for Carmelo Anthony. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, I would not be surprised if he became available. Okay, Uh, Actually... Chance Patrick Beverly comes available, even though I don't think. Even though they went and drafted Juwan Evans this year, and a lot of people thought that guy was going to be Chris Paul, which he's not. Not. Uh, But if for some reason, yeah, but if for some reason, let's say he catches fire and is the guy, and they think, oh man, we can play him, but we're not a great team this year, but we need to kind of rebuild a little bit.
2: Patrick Beverly is not a guy who stands in the way of somebody getting
1: minutes, though. Probably not, but you can trade him because he has a little bit of value, and they may be a team that's fighting for the seventh seed. I don't think they're fighting for home court advantage, and they feel like even though they don't have a smart GM, even though, let's see, Jerry West is a mover and a shaker. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he could come in and actually move that, make them move some things. I could see them trading Lou Williams. Absolutely, because uh, Lou Williams is going to play for 40 teams. before. <laughs> there's only 30 teams in the NBA. Yeah. He'll play for 40 <laughs> of them before the end of the year, uh, before the end of his uh, career. Phoenix Suns, buyers and sellers. We listed them both because they've got a lot of veteran pieces they need to get rid of to clear room for their young pieces, and they would like to get a star back.
2: Yeah, I I don't know, you know, obviously so Brandon Knight just tore his ACL. Uh Eric Bledsoe is only under contract for one more year after this. Tyson fund.
1: Chandler's too repetitive for what the Jazz have. Yep. Uh
2: Jared Dudley's a nice fit, but is is aging for sure. Um I like that Alan Williams pickup actually. For sure. Uh, 3 years, 17 million dollars, that makes a lot of sense. Uh beyond that, you know, are are they you don't really want Alex Len and his whatever long term he's going to get. Um the one
1: guy, and I just don't think Derek the Jazz Jones have Jr.? the pieces to land him, is Dragon Bender, and the Jazz just don't have the way to
2: get that guy. Yeah, I'm curious. They, they say they want to play him at center this year, which is which will be interesting.
1: Uh, so I don't think Phoenix really makes much sense for the Jazz, even though we've heard in the past that they're interested in Derek Favors. I think they would just wait to sign him in the offseason if they feel like that's a piece they have to add. Uh, another seller, the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis gets interesting because they've got a lot of really talented pieces uh, and need to sell off. I don't think they would ever move Mike Conley. I don't think. There's a chance they could move Gasol, I doubt it, but they could because he is a little bit older.
2: Yeah, but then he doesn't make any sense for the Jazz.
1: No, and yeah, he doesn't make any sense at all. They would love to find a way to get rid of Chandler Parsons, but they're not going to get a good enough draft pick to unprotect and team with Chandler Parsons to ever be able to get rid of that contract because the injuries are too scary. Yeah, agreed. Uh, And then our last selling team that we had on here was the Dallas Mavericks.
2: Yeah, and I mean, is there anyone on Dallas that you want? uh, I mean... You don't really want to take on Harrison Barnes' contract. Wesley Matthews is is way overpaid for yeah. what he is post-Achilles. Right. Uh,
1: and then, no, there's nothing beyond that. Yeah. yeah Seth Curry, because he's going to get a lot of money this offseason. But then again, Seth Curry's probably a little bit repetitive with what you have in Donovan Mitchell. Which, I, I mean, not repetitive in skill set, but as far as just the minutes he's going to play. The best target I heard there, and I, I'm going to ta- say Kevin Love, even though I don't know how easy that is, and Danilo Gallinari. 'Cause I think there's a chance Gallinari becomes available in the yeah, next twelve months again.
2: I, I like that call because I, I think there is you know, again we're we're talking about spacing and and that might be the, the odd man out in, in LA land. Like I, I like I said, I think it's more of an off season thing, but anyway. Uh I thought that was fun. I think yeah. yeah, it kinda gives you
1: an understanding. Unfortunately there's a lot of teams that are probably buying right now and trying to set themselves up for 2019, 2020.
2: I don't know that I think that Jazz have some pieces to sell if they want to though.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, Jazz really have some good pieces to get rid of for teams that either want expiring contracts or expiring contracts that are going to be good on their way out the door.
2: Especially if, like, we've talked about the Tabo Cephalosia, Jonas Drebko, Ekbe Udo, Triplet are all two-year contracts with a second-year non-guaranteed. Those guys are expiring who could really potentially help a team. I could see a team, like, wanting Tabo Cephalosia.
1: Absolutely. All right. Uh, I thought that was a fun exercise. We touched on it a little bit, the Kyrie Irving trade. Could it impact the Jazz in any way? I want to talk about that coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show ESPN 700. (laughs)
0: You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. Find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. You can also give us a call, 877-353-0700. Uh, we skipped a team accidentally uh, in our which teams are going to be buying, which teams are going to be selling uh, at the trade deadline this year, which is in early February. Uh, And it was actually a team I think could be a little bit interesting. That's the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers are trying to clear as much cap room as they can ahead of next year where they already have $60 million, I think, to spend this offseason. They've only got $40 million in contracts guaranteed next year and could still try and get below that because they are trying to add LeBron. And Paul George, and trade for Kevin Love, and all these pieces right. that have been rumored forever—they're really trying to get something going there.
2: The problem is they've already traded this year's pick, so you know you don't get right. the bad pick. For and they're taking on someone like Luol Deng. And they traded uh, another
1: future pick right to the Nets. Right. Am I wrong in that? No. You're With right. Mozgov.
2: or no, they got they got the tw- they, they got, got the, the Kyle Kuzma pick. So they didn't they didn't trade anything.
1: Okay. Uh, so that could be interesting. But then again, you understand if they're able to clear all this room and fill out that roster that pick is going to be 28, 29, right. 30. So at that point, it gets hard to take on Luol Deng in exchange for Derek Favors.
2: Right, you have to do like Luol Deng and Brandon Ingram, say.
1: Yeah, and they're not going to give up Brandon Ingram.
2: I I don't think yet. Unless you get LeBron James?
1: Unless you know you're getting LeBron right. and you know so that Paul George is coming with him. Agreed. I don't think you're doing it at the deadline. But then again, you have to pro- probably trade. Yeah, and you can probably do it in the offseason, trade Luol Deng with Brandon Ingram, and you can probably get some nothing back but then again you kind of have to take money back that's the advantage of doing it at the deadline is you get to clear that money by the end of the year which is Derek Favors and Joe Johnson you know that's how you make that trade uh I don't I'm not betting on that jazz fans you're not getting Brandon Ingram this (laughs) offseason but yeah you could get a guy like Julius Randle if that interests anybody but you're not taking on Luol Dang's contract with with Julius Randle you're trading yeah Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, if Kuzma becomes available and they say, you know what, he's going to be that 3-4 that's just totally replaceable with Paul George and LeBron James, he's just never going to get minutes, and he's averaging 17 points a game as a rookie. Crazy, because Lonzo Ball's getting the ball in the perfect spot every single time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe then you go out and make that deal. Uh, That's probably it. Larry Nance Jr. might be a little bit interesting. He can play. Uh, But not a guy you're, again, taking on a huge contract with. Jordan Clarkson is a name that the Jazz maybe could take on one for one. Sure, hey, he's not a throw-in. But they're on not a at all interested in Jordan Clarkson. And Jordan Clarkson has had weird issues after what sounded like interest early in his career from a lot of NBA teams. Certainly fell off this year.
2: Everyone kind of realized what he was.
1: Yeah, he didn't improve this last year at all from nice. what was a good start to his career. Monte Ellis. And uh, yeah, he might be a crazy person.
2: On top of that, might be crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so probably not a great spot with the Lakers. But the Lakers are going to be sellers. This season. Yep. So uh, you could potentially work something out because they want as many expiring contracts. Maybe, honestly, the best name there is Kyle Kuzma, which isn't saying a whole lot because as good of uh, seven games or eight games as he played in Vegas, you have no idea what he's going to be in the NBA. And if they are getting rid of Brandon Ingram, they might hold on to Kyle Kuzma to be that young piece that they feel like can be a scorer. Yeah. So uh, that that's kind of interesting with the Lakers. The big name, the big NBA story that if you follow anything NBA, it's all anyone's talking about right now, is the Kyrie Irving trade. What happens and does it impact the Jazz in any way?
2: First of all, coming back up and be like that—it it is insane that Kyrie Irving wants to trade himself now yeah. off a contender, you know, the best team in the Eastern Conference, to go to the New York Knicks. And I get that he's worried that you know LeBron James is going to leave. Fine, make your trade demand in 2018. Yeah, you know,
1: it's a I real red flag that Kyrie lot. wants to leave exactly. right now. Uh, it's not it's a, a huge, huge red flag. I thought he was going to be a better soldier coming out of Duke than he ended up being. And even mm-hmm. then when he was being talked about as number one pick and ended up being the number one pick despite playing, what was it, eight games at Duke, there was some talk that there might be immaturity issues even then.
2: And can we like from a star point of view, I think you're better off being the number two guy next to LeBron James than you are being the number one guy, even if that's in New York, on, on a 25 one team.
1: How many other teams are there? Is it better to be the number one guy? I mean, you have to be Kevin Durant good. Right. You have to be uh, Steph Curry good. And even then, both Steph Curry and Kevin Durant said, I'll take the risk that I end up being the number two guy on that roster just to be able to beat LeBron. I mean, like, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, They both took that gamble of saying, maybe I end up becoming a bit of an afterthought. Maybe I don't have this peak career that I could have had by teaming with this other guy to beat LeBron. And yeah, Kyrie Irving is saying, no, I want to leave LeBron. Yeah. That's how crazy that is.
2: And and it's also crazy that, and I think that fact lowers his trade value significantly because now every team that has him or could acquire him thinks that he's leaving for New York in two years. Right. So that means that now he has no trade value, or not no trade value. Of course he has trade value. He has enormous
1: trade value. He has
2: has lesser trade value to the Cleveland Cavaliers than he would have if this trade rumor doesn't get out. But then there's the question of how the hell did this get out? What happened? It's not that complex. Like you have five different people who just applied to be the GM, and you've right. got Brian Windhorst again, who's been around the team for forever. Right, it's if, LeBron's like, guy. Like it's it's LeBron's. Like this was. Of but but again, okay, so it's
1: hard out. to. But so who are we blaming here? I mean, I don't think this is Kyrie's fault. I think
2: it's Kyrie's fault.
1: I I don't. Uh, okay, Why him is wanting it not to get tra- tra- him wanting to get traded, yes. But the fact that it got oh, out, it got I don't out, know if that's Kyrie. Kyrie's. And, and if it doesn't get out, then nobody knows. It's but, ca- then nobody
2: cares. But it's. Not every day that you have a meeting as serious as that when you're the star or second star player. When you're Kyrie Irving, you know, a meeting with like that with someone around the league doesn't happen. Like that happens two to three times a year at most. Right. Like that's too big of a piece of news for Kyrie and his people to think, oh, we can keep it a secret here in the Cavs organization, which, by the way, doesn't have a GM for you to deliver that message.
1: to. Right. And Dan Gilbert even if you delivered to him, would find a way to get it out because he just comic sans tweeted out, like, Kyrie wants to be (laughs) traded. Uh, I think Kobe Altman wins a lot of fans this year in Cleveland and around the NBA by making a really good deal and getting a good return for a guy in Kyrie Irving, who I'm with you, I think he ends up in New York and averages 20 points a game, and they win 35 games and everyone says, what the hell?
2: Can we talk about whether or not Kyrie Irving's a winner?
1: Like he won, right?
2: So maybe that's
1: and he hit one of the greatest shots in NBA history. Yes. One was the second best player on uh, what I think is the greatest championship in any NBA history, at least in my lifetime, which of sure. really covering, or not covering, but following the league is a good 20 years, you know, that I've really been paying attention, die hard.
2: I am very doubtful that, like, Kyrie Irving is a 10-win player. You know, like, is a right, superstar, right, right, right. a top 10, 15, 20 player because his defense is that bad and his offense is not super efficient like he could honestly I think he would make some sense on the jazz because he could just use a lot of possessions at 45 percent right but and the jazz every team would love to have him yes
1: every team in the NBA would love to have him I do have questions if he's trying to go be the number one guy somewhere if he'll ever be that and if that's good for your team I have that question with most point guards because I, I still think players. as much as we're a wing driven NBA now and the point guard is more valuable than ever whether it's the hand check rules or whatever you want to talk about still the best point guard in the NBA, is either Chris Paul or Steph Curry. And yes, Steph Curry has two MVPs uh, and has won two championships in the last three years. He already might not be, in fact really is not the best player on his team anymore because they went out and got Kevin Durant because they won one with him and lost one with him as their best player, and they realized they needed to upgrade their talent. Chris Paul has never made it out of the second round. Russell Westbrook was the MVP. was unbelievable this year. Had yeah. as good a season we've ever seen. And his team was the sixth best team in the right. West. No, so there there are questions I always still have about your point guard being your best player.
2: I'm not worried about that so much as just how good Kyrie Irving is. I think he's, you know, I think he's like the 10th best point guard in the league.
1: Right. Which, so that's what I'm saying. Even if your point guard is your best player and it's the second or third most important position on the floor because the height disadvantage just ends up being an issue once you get to the rim. I mean, that means at best he's the 25th best player in the NBA when it matters. You know what I mean? Even if it seems like during the regular season he's the 10th or 11th best player, it just gets, continues to get bumped down because of his position a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's nonsense to some people, but that's just kind of how I view it. Uh, and there are rare exceptions. Steph Curry, again, was legitimately at point guard the first or second best player in the NBA over the last three years Yeah, uh, in that conversation. So I, I, think, I, I, I don't think whoever trades—this is a rare situation where you trade a superstar, and the team that trades the superstar might actually get pretty close to equal value back yeah in the Cavaliers and I don't think they're going to get pennies on the dollar like you got for Jimmy Butler like you got for Paul George.
2: Yeah, I mean the one thing that is is going to make it difficult is like I said his contract situation that he does seemingly want to leave and honestly that so many teams around the league already have a good point guard.
1: Yeah. But he is underpaid for a starting point guard. Yeah, card. that's true. And his has a couple of years is left.
2: good given that it has
1: a uh, So he's got some value, and he's probably the last superstar that comes available for the next little bit because Jimmy it's Butler's been moved, because point. Paul George's been moved. Yep. But yeah, so I think that will up his value, and I bet you Kobe Altman makes a good deal for Cleveland, and they get some interesting pieces, and whoever you put next to LeBron is going to look good.
2: Yeah, so is, are they a contender next year?
1: Yeah, they're a contender. I mean, they're going to win the East.
2: Okay. I, I, I don't know if that's for sure, You know, depending on what you get back for Kyrie. Like, who plays point guard? Sure. Derek Rose? Derek Rose.
1: Uh, <laughs> when we come back... Gordon Hayward, Talk to Woe, just kind of the first we've heard from, uh, from Hayward, and also some familiar faces back with the Jazz that we have not talked about. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that. Coming up next, it's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700.
0: To the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA, this is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Before we wrap up here, just a couple of quick notes. Uh, Hayward was on the Woj podcast talking to Adrian Wojnarowski, kind of, kind of clearing up what happened. I didn't think there was anything all that stunning there from Hayward.
2: No, he stuck with his story, which I think is, I guess the no news is the news there. Um, again, I do not believe that story because I know the sources who that, that led to the Chris Haynes and Tony Jones Uh and Sam Amick reports and there are different sources and there are people who would know and they knew. And so that story is, is not true, but besides that nothing else was
1: said uh and then another interesting name coming back kind of flew under the radar is justin zanuck is back with the jazz after one year
2: yeah just one year in one year milwaukee Milwaukee. um was slated to be the gm there after john hammond left and then uh their owner wes edens went a different direction uh or at least one of their ownership group but it's nice to have him back in utah it's not exactly clear to me at least uh what role he'll be if he'll be assistant gm like he was before with the jazz but a good mind, a smart mind, and it's nice to have that agent perspective in the front office. Uh former Indiana Pacers GM David Morway, also joining the Jazz's front office, is a honestly has been in the Jazz's front office for the last year He's as a consultant. Yeah, advisory role. Yeah. The
1: same way Kevin O'Connor kind of still does that same thing, but probably more so than Kevin does yeah. now.
2: more David Morway is definitely around more often than Kevin O'Connor. But that being said, uh now we'll have a job title. I don't know what that job title yep. will be yet, but uh again. Uh, it's cool that the Jazz have four former or current GMs in their front office that they can go to honestly, for relationships as much as anything.
1: Oh, and that's the one thing I'd say. I mean, the people I've talked to, you've got a better relationship with the front office people than I do, certainly, and know more about Zanuck's role. When I've talked to people with the Jazz who talked about Zanuck, they said when he was lost, the hard part was just like, yeah, the ability to track agents and track players and people, it just, he was really good at that. And that was really what he did so well. He had connections that are just time-saving connections. Not that the Jazz can't get us someone's number. Of course you can, but Justin just had it already. (laughs) And that was, there's value in being time saving and being efficient and they lost that when Zanuck was gone
2: well I also think there's value in having those relationships not only just beyond having that phone number but having those conversations you know I think and and Justin's very good at that um, having conversations with people around the league where they're going to tell you even if they're not telling you 100% of the truth I want to hear what their version of the truth yeah. is, right? Because right. it's it's possible that they're selling that to their fans as well, and and you know, and, and that sort of thing. So, right, um, you know, Dennis always talks about how the Kevin O'Connor's intelligence made that Trey Burke trade possible in 2013. Right. Uh, now that was a bad trade, it turned out in, in retrospect, but it was something that the Jazz uh, were was able to do because of that intelligence and, and knowing where Kelly Olynyk would be picked. But yep, um, so. That sort of thing is just helpful to have as much information coming
1: in as possible. It might have also landed you Rudy Gobert because Jazz got him at 27 and the Spurs were at 28. And I suspect the Spurs would have taken him at 28. Jazz said the same thing happened with Tony Bradley. Right. Uh, They've never said that with Gobert. I really highly suspect, though, that that's what happened. Or,
2: honestly, they just took the first available pick that was available for 45 and, and money. And, yeah and they knew Denver's front office was cheap and was apparently willing to trade good picks for nothing, as we've learned again this year.
1: Uh, big thanks to uh, Brittany Col- is it Calindris or Calandris How do we say your last name? Calindris. Follow her on Twitter. Uh, she produces our show at Brit underscore Calindris. Uh, Andy Larson, the host and star of this show here at the Salt City Hoop Show. Follow him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can follow me at Ben's Hoops. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700.